Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yearbook Wise podcast, the podcast for yearbook people everywhere. My name is Mike Simmons. I advise the Tesserae Yearbook at Corning Painted Post High School in upstate New York. It's great to be back with you for another episode of the Yearbook Wise podcast. You can find the podcast on Twitter at, at @yearbookwise. That's yearbook w h y s. And you can also reach out to me directly if you have feedback, questions, comments, or something you'd like to see included in a future episode. Email me at iteachyearbook at gmail.com. You can find the podcast at Apple Podcasts or anywhere you subscribe to podcasts. We'd love to have your follow and we'd love to have some feedback. So please give us a rating and review. In this episode, we're going to talk about the colophon. The colophon and index, actually two pieces of of the final puzzle of a yearbook as we're honing in on the final deadline and getting toward wrapping up production on our own book. Uh, Discussions in my lab have started on what to include in the colophon this year, how our students want to handle their staff and editor pictures, uh, and all of the content that's going to go in the index. It's crunch time. We feel like we've got about five weeks of work and about two weeks to do it, and I'm sure many of you out there, uh, advisors especially, can relate. So let's break this down a little bit. We're going to talk about the colophon first and come in with the index here at the end. Uh, This is due in large part, this topic comes up for me uh, in large part because I've seen a couple posts online uh, shared from Walsworth and some other publishers as they're having their own advisors and staffs think about um, these these finishing pieces uh, of the yearbook. So a shout out to uh, the companies for getting out ahead of it. Um, I have and will continue to keep the the podcast company agnostic, but there's great resources out there from uh, Jostens and Walsworth, Herf Jones and the rest. Uh, So definitely encourage you to hit Google and find some of those resources for yourself. Now, the word colophon, it comes from Latin, um, from the original Greek, and it means in one connotation, the the summit or the finishing touch. Uh, Back in the mid first century in BC, and you can look this up on Wikipedia just like I did, but there were, uh, there were clay tablets in Babylonian society and um, in that area of the world. And the scribe or the owner of the tablet would have um, their name carved in uh, at the end of the tablet, um, kind of like a bibliography piece. Uh, it would include the, a summary of the topic of the tablet, um, the number of lines on the tablet, and the occasion or the uh, purpose of writing. So colophons have been used for way longer than there were uh, or are yearbooks. And they're a great place for you to let people who are enjoying your book or consuming your book understand what went into the making of it. Now, the first place that a lot of staff start is with an articulation of the development of their theme and their theme content. Um, It's nice for readers to understand where the theme came from, whether it was inspiration at camp or from a commercial, uh, maybe a radio piece or some advertising copy that you read. Maybe it just came out of the clear blue sky. But talking about those inspirations, um, not only on the uh, heart and soul of your book thematically, but also talking about design inspiration, about color palette uh, inspiration and what color palette you used, even the fonts and typography as well. Uh, It's great content so that when people look at your book, and and this is for all of the content that you would include in the colophon, people will be able to sit down with it, jump to the colophon and say, wow, what is that color? Or where did that uh, type treatment come from? I wonder how they settled on that theme. The colophon is the thing that helps you answer all of those questions. It's customary to include content and and information about your printing company. 
uh, about their name and location, uh, the location of the printing plant itself, uh, but also uh, a shout out to your yearbook company representative. And if you have a technical or production services representative in the plant itself, um, I see a lot of content uh, shouting out and, and naming those people, thanking them as well. Uh, but you'd include the, the address of the plant, um, the number of copies of the book produced by the plant. And uh, more and more, I'm seeing staffs articulate their sales and pricing plan as well. And that's great to see if you, like we do, uh, include, let's say, a lower price earlier in first semester or at the start of the school year, and then it uh, increases incrementally throughout the year, or you, you do away, let's say, with a discount uh, as the year goes on. Um, it's great for staffs to understand and appreciate uh, the approach to sales that you take. Um, you want to include, speaking of the plant, the technical specifications of your book. Uh, what went into the cover treatment? Was it uh, a tip-in? Was there a reflective uh, coating? Was it a four-color process, um, some kind of lithograph? Uh, was there some other treatment and, and grain applied um, to the cover and the cover stock? Um, you would want to talk about your end sheet stock and the printing process that you used to develop that. And also include uh, content about the page stock, uh, the paper stock itself, and other uh, production and, and technical details um, of that nature. Talking about production, you'd also want to get into the design platform that you used. If you're in Adobe InDesign and Creative Cloud School, uh, then you can talk through that. If you are using your company's proprietary web software, then certainly you want to mention that as well. I, as many of you know, am a photo guy and a photo geek and so we make sure to include a full listing of the hardware that our students used um, out of our photo closet um, both the bodies and the lenses uh, we are we happen to be a canon school uh, so we'll go through and list all the different canon bodies that the kids have access to and used in production of the book and um, note all of the lenses as well and that can be really helpful for staffs who are trying to understand you know the, the strength of your photo program if they're really taken with your photography then they can unpack that a little bit uh, we also include technical details on the hardware that we use uh, computer-wise, the desktops and laptops that are used in production of the book. Uh, so you really want to give people a, a clear and a full picture of all that goes into the, the physical making uh, and creation of the book. From, again, the software and the, the platform that it's created on in your lab, all the way out to the paper that it's produced on and, and where that printing plant is located uh, and the, the company that helped make it so for you. When we get into the, the lab itself and the other facets of what went into making a book, you can't ignore your staff. Um, it, your colophon should include a complete staff listing with the roles um, or departments that, that staff members uh, were part of or the, the roles that they had, whether they're a photographer or a reporter or a member of your blue team, um, there's lots of different ways to organize staffs, and uh, you want to make sure that you account for that. You certainly want to give um, a shout out to your editors and give them a place to, to be recognized. I know that uh, some books include little write-ups uh, or personal notes from each editor. Some books do that just from the editors-in-chief. Um, all of that is, is fantastic. It sometimes comes down to how much space you have uh, in the book itself. Our staff at Tessere has been fond of including full staff photos, um, either in one large photo that includes all 40 to 50 members of our staff, 
or we break it down by teams. We do color teams. So we have a red team, an orange team, you know, our business team is the green team, of course. Uh, and so we'll do individual group pictures of them. Uh, we've done both things in the last couple of years. And at the end of the podcast, I'm going to tell you about a, a resource, a folder that I've created on the cloud at Dropbox, where you'll be able to look in on a few different books, uh, colophons, including the colophons from our last three books at, at Tesserae. So I'll give you those as, as resources to look at and hope that they're uh, good resources for you. But photos of um, and... Uh, listings of your staff and editors, again, if you have the space for it, but a, a listing at the very least. Um, you should list your advisor or advisors as well. Um, and then again, I mentioned already our editors-in-chief the last few years have, have done, uh, have written a shout out to their staff uh, and their editors. And it's really kind of a nice summative piece. Um, it often it has a, a thank you tone to it, um, but it's a look back at the year that was and all the work that went into the book. And it's just a nice opportunity to put your editors um, right there at the forefront, whether they're speaking to the staff or the broader school community. Um, our editor letters have also included thank yous and shout outs to our mentors and consultants, um, those people in the broader yearbook community who have taken an interest in our book over the years and who continue to be supporters uh, and active in our lab, even if they're in California or Florida or Virginia or Colorado. So those letters, uh, again, usually from editors-in-chief, are, are really, really nice touches. Um, I don't do this next piece, but I've seen um, some advisors uh, include a, a few column inches of a thank you note from the advisor back to the staff. That's absolutely fantastic um, and would definitely encourage you to think about that as well. Another thing that you can include in your colophon is um, recognitions of awards earned by previous books or the previous book from last year. Uh, if you were, a, let's say, a pacemaker finalist or if you won an award uh, in your local state press association, if you were a crown winner at CSP CSPA, um, then certainly you can include the mention of that. And you also might want to list uh, and, and note the fact that you are members of various uh, scholastic press associations. Uh, sometimes staffs compete at the National High School Journalism Convention or at UIL in Texas and things like that. If, if there are journalism competitions that your staff is part of, feel free, if again, you have the space, to include mention of and, and recognition of those achievements as well. It's a great place for it, and um, it's an appropriate place to give a, uh, a mindful pat on the back to your staff for all of their hard work. We in Tesserae, and I'll inc uh, include these in the Dropbox folder, um, the colophon from our volume three includes in it an open forum statement. Uh, we enjoy a very healthy relationship with our um, school and district administration, and they do not censor or put under prior review our students' content. Um, we were an open forum in practice uh, and from, from years worth of practice uh, in that the principals and superintendent did not oversee um, the program's content. The students held editorial control um, and in just in the last few years to strengthen um, that relationship and our program's claim to its open forum status, our students have started to include uh, a policy statement in the colophon that notes that Tesserae is an open forum for student expression. 
if you're at all interested um, in the ins and outs of uh, freedom of expression and student journalist rights, there are many resources to be had via the Student Press Law Center. I'll include a link to them in the episode's description, as well as an explainer about uh, whether you are or aren't, or, or whether you can evaluate your program as being or not being uh, an open forum for student expression. If you have any questions, again, feel free to email me and I'll include my address in the, uh, in the episode description as well. Um, it can get a little bit um, legally and, and dense, and I know that um, some of you do need to submit your content to your principals and superintendents and whatnot, um, but if you want to um, increase your students' uh, claim to, form, uh, to freedom of expression via uh, open forum status, the colophon would be a great place to include that policy statement. So that just about does it for colophons. Um, again, just to recap, you want to include content about your theme and its development, your printing company's information, location, ways that people can be in touch with your company or your yearbook company's representative, uh, the number of copies and technical specifications of things like paper and printing processes, um, things that were done embellishment-wise to your cover, your end sheets, things like that. Your own in-lab production information about the design software, photography, equipment, and resources, and the computer resources that you use. That's all the technical stuff. And then again, uh, a full listing of your staff, including roles or departments, your editors, uh, a list of or a notation of your advisors, and uh, people who have mentored or consulted with your program or uh, supported your program in any way. And again, um, often that's done through some sort of letter from editors in chief. And in the Dropbox folder, I'll provide you uh, at the end of the podcast, you'll see plenty of examples and different approaches uh, to, to setting up your colophon. Um, just a word about indexes. I, I critiqued four books in the off season and each of them um, really fell short for me uh, in terms of indexing and uh, I'm particularly proud of um, the students that I've had in our program the last few years at Tesserae and, and even before that, uh, and the, I'm biased, but I, I think the exemplary work that they've done on developing their index. Um, most of the award-winning books that, that I've read and seen, some of them I've evaluated, uh, really do just a, a tremendous job in completing, uh, or including, I should say, a complete index that um, takes stock of the book in a way that goes far beyond just a simple listing of the students. A full index goes way beyond the student uh, listing. Uh, Joe Miller's on page 72, that's fantastic. Where's your football coverage? Where is your academic uh, quiz bowl team's coverage? Uh, where is the listing for the, the Grammys uh, because you did, let's say, an infographic on the Grammys or something like that? Uh, where is the uh, forensic club listing and the fact that they went to, to states? If I, if I want to jump into your book real quickly and, and find that uh, coverage package about your forensic club, uh, where can I find that if not in the index? So just to run it down real quickly, your sports teams should all be included. Um, junior varsity and varsity levels, both freshman teams if you have them. 
your academic departments. Um, there should be a listing for your art department, for your science department, your humanities, and all the rest. Your major student life events, homecoming, spirit week, pep rallies, things like that. I will note under um, student life in particular, it can get uh, a little bit amorphous and a little bit, you know, do we do this or do we not do this? Um, for instance, let's say you do a coverage package on getting your driver's license. Um, would you put an entry under you know license comma drivers on page 98 my students probably wouldn't they tend to limit it to events and and you know things with a, a proper name to them um, things like the grammys or the oscars let's say the super bowl as well we'll get to pop culture in a second you also include listings of every club and organization um, and activities that they host so if your French club hosts the World Expo, um, as ours is, I think, this coming Saturday, we would list the French club, but we would also list their World Expo as an event. Um, I will say to the, uh, given an example of pop culture, let's get into this, we include pop culture references. So in the, in the past couple of years, our, our books have included uh, Lady Gaga and Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, certainly also Darth Vader. Um, do you go in as... Uh, Darth Vader in your index, or is it Vader comma Darth, and does it follow the uh, the listing um, like your your students? And it tends to be for our kids. If it's a person's name, they do that comma structure, so it would be Gaga comma Lady. But if it's Super Bowl, it's just under the S for Super Bowl. If it's under uh, if it's the Grammys, they just include it under G for Grammys. Uh, World Expo would be under W. It would not be Expo comma World or something like that. We include references um, to the opponents of our sports team. So if in a caption it mentions uh, that our JV boys soccer team played the Horseheads Blue Raiders on September 15th, then there will be now a listing for Horseheads in our book. And we do that through you know every natural mention of uh, opponents and, and, and things like that right on through the book. Um, we'll mention other local schools. If a competition happened at um, Union Endicott, let's say the um, academic quiz bowl, um, competition happened at Union Endicott, we would include, and, and that was included in the story package, um, then we would include Union Endicott there as well. Um, when we do uh, coverage packages on students applying to college or signing for colleges, we include references to all those colleges as well. Now, this can be a lot of work, but it increases the value of your book and your reference materials to your readers tremendously. Uh, and I will say, if you want your book to be competitive on the national level with one of the state uh, Scholastic Press Associations or NSPA and CSPA, uh, those evaluators are absolutely looking for complete uh, indexes. And sometimes, too, uh, the, the books that are among the very best of the best, they're doing cross-referential indexing as well. And I'll include some examples again in the Dropbox folder for you. But what I mean to say is um, not only is football listed under F and soccer listed under S and volleyball listed under V, but there might be on the second spread of the index uh, what we might call an alt index or a mini index or a quick index that's just for the sports section. Um, sometimes they are done uh, and set in a different um, type design. Maybe they're set against a contrasting color box. If one of your theme colors is blue, then instead of just printing on white, you might mount um, that, that mini or that quick index on sports inside a blue box. Again, you'll see examples um, on Dropbox. But it gives people kind of a, a quick drop in on just sports or just clubs and organizations uh, or just some of those student life um, 
uh, events and, and, and happenings. So again, quick indexes dropped in uh, just on one column. You'll see some examples of, of some of the best in the country uh, with the folder that I provide you here at the end. Um, and then the other thing that I really love about some of the finest indexes out there, you can tell that I kind of geek out on this, is um, those letter headers. Um, the letter headers meaning at the start of section A, uh, here's the little, you know, the capital letter A or, or something that's done typographically that maybe the A is set in 60 or 70 point type. Um, and in one of your theme colors, and then here come all the entries on A, and then we've got this gigantic 70 point B and all of our listings on B. We call those letter headers. There's an opportunity to really extend coverage and, and do something that's more um, reader friendly and, and engages the reader more um, by including content at those letter header positions. So for example, one thing that I've seen is in each um, letter header, you pick out one kid who hadn't yet been covered in the book. Um, you, you get Amelia Artridge, uh, her name begins with an A, and um, you include a maybe a cutout background photo, a small one, maybe only four or five pikas high of Amelia and a quotable from her uh, maybe on some kind of evergreen topic that um, is, let's say it could be a look back at the year, or um, maybe you ask her, um, you know, on, on that first topic, maybe it's the, the best part of her year or something like that. Or maybe you can ask a thematic question. We have a book coming out with Tesserae this year that includes uh, part of the phrase um, is up to you. So maybe my students would ask um, Amelia, if it was up to you, uh, what would you have for dinner every night if you could only have one food? Or uh, if it was up to you, um, what would you include at the winter pep rally? Let's say something like that. Uh, and then you could use those if it was up to you questions all throughout your letter headers. Uh, another way to look at it is instead of using students, although note that if you do that, you just included 26 more kids with 26 little pictures and 26 quotes. That's fantastic pickup and nice drop in coverage. Uh, maybe you can develop some thematic coverage or chronological coverage, uh, maybe a look back at the year uh, through current events where each topic is is that letter. So for instance, if you had a bunch of students uh, attend the opening night of Star Wars The Last Jedi in December, then in the just above the S section, you include a quick uh, coverage package of those kids who went out to Star Wars uh, on opening night. And that assumes that you hadn't covered that uh, earlier in the book. All of that is to say it's 26 more opportunities for small coverage packages. Um, and the other thing that I love about that, and it's value added for an outstanding book, is that you're taking content that most people consider kind of boring uh, and kind of dry, and you're including consumable content, something to read on every spread. Uh, right on through the index. And that's absolutely fantastic. It's a big win. It's the same thing you should be doing on your portrait pages. Instead of rack after rack after rack of just head and shoulder shots, you should be including mods and secondary coverage throughout your portrait pages. So there's something to read. There's some coverage package on every spread of the book. So that's indexes uh, and colophons before it. I told you that I was going to give you, uh, as we wrap up here, a link to uh, a resource out there. I'm going to include this in the description of the podcast, but if you've got something to write with or you want to type this in real quick, I'm going to give you a short link um, that's going to go out to a folder that contains examples of some of the best colophons and indexes from the 2017 books that have been shared by some of my colleagues. And I'm also going to share you um, Tesserae's last three colophons and last three indexes uh, in their entirety in a subfolder. The link is this, gu.gl 
So it's like Google, but goo, G-O-O dot G-L slash capital T, three, lowercase k, capital M is in Mike, capital Z is in Zulu, five. So goo dot G-L slash capital T is in Tom, three, lowercase k, capital M, capital Z, five. And that link will take you to those resources. That's just as good a place as any to wrap it up here, friends. So I wish you well and thank you for listening to another episode of the Yearbook Wise podcast. I hope that as we come into the final weeks of production for you and yours, that you are uh, in a healthy place with your staff, a none too gentle reminder to take some time for yourselves, figure out a way to uh, inject some fun or a five minute dance party in your deadline nights. Um, make sure that you've got food aplenty for your staff and that uh, you're taking good care of each other out there. These last few weeks, I know it can be filled with tension uh, and a lot of anxiety about just the urgency of finishing and shipping and, and getting it all out the door. But please do remember to take good care of each other and yourselves and to keep that positive staff culture going uh, because it's gotta be about the, the people first and people who are on, on great footing with each other and who, who trust and enjoy each other are going to do far better uh, in, in pushing through that, uh, that work that can be so demanding uh, in these last few weeks. So good luck with all of that. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to listen to another episode of the Yearbook Wise podcast. If you've got feedback or you've been listening right on through, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out and email me at iteachyearbook at gmail.com. I'd love to have you spread the word about the podcast. You can do that on Twitter by retweeting our links at, at yearbookwise. That's yearbook, W-H-Y-S. You can also give us a review and rating at Apple Podcasts. The podcast can be found there or it can be downloaded anywhere you subscribe to your podcast. I hope that you found today's episode useful and uh, hope to hear from you soon. But for now, good luck, be well, talk soon.